Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on John, Believe. Hello, Cross family. I pray you're having a great day. And I'm excited to continue in our series through the Gospel of John. We're going to be in chapter 11 today. And I am convinced that the message uh, that God has laid on my heart is going to speak to you in just an incredible way. I'm going to spend some time in prayer. It would be a great opportunity for you uh, to gather as a family and maybe even pause me uh, after I'm done praying and spend a few moments uh, in prayer as a family. Maybe each individual uh, could spend some time just in prayer. And uh, let's, let's be encouraged in the Lord today and let's press into the Lord and let's continue to trust that he is sovereign, that he is good, and he is faithful uh, in the times in which we find ourselves living. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I do pray that every guy and gal, man, woman watching this video, uh, sitting around right now contemplating just the chaos and confusion that's happening in our world, uh, Lord, that we would be reminded that you're faithful, you're good, you're dependable, you're trustworthy. And Father, we just open up our hearts and our minds right now, and we ask you in Jesus' name, uh, that you would really minister and speak to us, Father. I pray uh, just for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I pray the Holy Spirit would have total permission and freedom in this message, but yet in every person, uh, Father, that would receive this word today, I pray that it would encourage them uh, to press in and to go deeper with you. In Christ's name, amen. Now, let me say this to you. God will bring you to many crossroads throughout your life. And you will experience, when you hit these crossroads, these forks in the road, you will experience what we call a crisis of belief. And you will ask yourself during this time, what do I truly believe? Uh, who do I really trust? And at this time, you will have to choose whether you're going to really follow God or whether you're really just going to lean back in and follow your own desires. You're going to follow something, and you're going to follow somebody. At each crossroad, I can promise you there will always be a voice that's telling you to do what you feel like doing. Do what you want to do. Do what makes you feel good. And I'm telling you, especially right now as a, as a, as a nation, so many people are entertaining that thought process. What am I going to do? Who am I going to trust? Whose voice am I going to listen to? And you pose that question to yourself. It's like, have you heard that voice lately? The one that tells you if God really loved you, God would give you what you want. If God really loved you, he's going he's to just supply whatever you think is best because you deserve it. I even hear people saying, man, if he's really a good father... And if he's really a faithful uh, father, uh, he wants you to be happy, right? But I can tell you, God knows what is best. And God always knows what is best. But as long as you think that you know what's best, you're going to struggle trusting God. John chapter 11, incredible text. But verses 20 and 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, then my brother would not have died. 
Martha runs to Jesus, disappointed, frustrated, and she says, Lord, if only then. And you do, you have to stop and go, have you been disappointed lately? Are you struggling right now with disappointment? Is that spark in your eye gone? Is that giddy up in your step, has it left you? Do you find yourself just kind of limping through life today? Are you deflated? Have you lost the will to fight and to keep trying and persevering? And I can promise you, when you start to experience disappointment, it will lead to all types of mental and emotional turmoil. Satan will use a setback, a disappointment, and he will try to put lies in your mind. Satan is the master of all these mind monsters that we fight all the time. And, and, and disappointment, when you start to live there and it starts to overtake you or overwhelm you, it's going to lead to discouragement. And that will lead to being disillusioned. And that's going to lead to depression. And it's going to ultimately lead you to defeat. And defeat is when you surrender to the lie that God does not want what is best for me. And if God is not for you, I can promise you, you have no hope. There's really no will to keep living. Romans 8.31, memorize this. As a brand new believer, please memorize Romans 8.31. But it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And I'm telling you, I anchor in that verse all the time. Now, over the years, I can promise you, I have heard so many just heartfelt stories and heartfelt cries of disappointment. I had a phone call just two weeks ago, and, and it's basically this. We want to have kids. I know that's a God-given desire that he's placed inside of our hearts. Why can't we have children? I keep having miscarriages, Tim. Is God going to allow me to really stay pregnant and to give birth to a baby one day? And that's real pain. You talk about disappointment and heartache. And maybe this is you. I've heard this one over the years. Uh, God, I, I know, wants me to have a healthy marriage. He wants me to have a great marriage. But my husband, he's just so passive. It's like he doesn't even care. He's off in his own world. I mean, Tim, the Lord wants us to have a, a healthy, God-centered marriage, doesn't he? And it's like, yeah, that's real pain. I've also heard people say this, I thought I'd be married by the time I was 25. Man, I'm almost 30. I don't even have any prospects. Matter of fact, I don't even have a suspect. And I'm struggling with how my life is turning out. I mean, God has let me down and Match.com is not coming through. Where are you, God? That's the story of some people right now, right? And I've heard people say this, God, I... I thought I would be healthy, but I've been sick most of my life. Why do you continue to allow me to suffer so much affliction and pain? Why am I so jacked up? Please answer my prayer. Will my situation ever change? Is healing on the horizon? And so many people live just staying disappointed, if you will, with their own narrative. And it's like, God, if only, come on. Hook a brother up. Rescue me from where I'm at right now. I see all this suffering. I'm suffering. Are you ever going to answer my prayer? I can promise you this. Disappointment will lead you 
to some very unhealthy places. Disappointment will lead you to some very unhealthy places. And I can promise you this. Disappointment with God is usually the result of having a distorted view of who God is. A.W. Tozer said that our view and concept of God is the most crucial fault we'll ever have. And so many of us, if we're not careful, we can get a distorted view of who God is. And for so many, we are quick to seek his intervention when things are going tough. But we never seek his, uh, his intimacy. And so many of us want him to intervene on our terms. But we never desire to walk in intimacy. And we know as believers that God uses affliction, adversity, and hard times to grow our faith and to shape our faith and to mature our faith. And so I would encourage you. You may be sitting there today and you go, I've got a distorted view of God. I've heard you say, Tim, that, yeah, a lot of people treat God like he's a cosmic Santa. We just kind of sit on his knee and we just tell him, hey, here's the way uh, this life is uh, supposed to be going. Here's what I want. Meet my demands. It doesn't work. And disappointment with God increases. I can promise you this. When we focus less on God and we focus more on ourselves, disappointment will increase when you focus less on God and more on yourself. Let's pick up John 11. I love this text. Starting in verse 1, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. The two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, Jesus stayed where he was for two more days. I would circle that phrase. Although Jesus loved, Jesus stayed. Jesus stayed. Then Jesus said to the disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. You will really believe. Come, let's go see him. When Jesus arrived, Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Now get it. Backdrop. Mary and Martha are so frustrated with Jesus. Jesus loved these sisters. He loved Lazarus. And they sent word. This, this guy you love so much, he's sick. Come, and to their surprise, Jesus made no effort. That's crazy, because we really do believe at times that God should immediately answer our prayer and meet our need the way we think he should. And to their amazement, to their surprise, Jesus didn't come. Jesus even traveled to a different city, if you study this passage, and, and, and he he, he, he did ministry elsewhere for a couple of days. But they wanted Jesus to respond on their terms. Their attitude was basically this. Jesus, when I call, you're supposed to respond. And that's how a lot of people view God today. God, when I pray and when I ask you for something, you're supposed to do it immediately. 
And you, you, you have to stop and go, do you think that way? Have you thought that way? Because a lot of people abandon prayer when their so-called prayers of intervention, not intimacy, is not met immediately according to the terms that they wanted. And I can promise you, life can be very devastating and frustrating at times. When Jesus finally arrived, Martha ran, Jesus, if only you had been here, then our brother would not have died. And you and I know the if only then game, we play it with God at times ourselves. And with all that is going on globally, and all that is going on even nationally right now, a lot of us are probably asking the question, God, where are you? Are you going to show up? How many people will die before you intervene? Is there a cure? Are you going to do anything, God? And for many of us, we're, we're paralyzed today. We're crippled in our disappointment. But I can promise you this. When we try to tell God how to be God, that is a bad game to play with the one who is omniscient. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. And we have to stop and go, hold on. You're sovereign. You're Lord. You're master. You're in control. I've got to trust you. When Jesus arrived, Lazarus was dead. Lazarus was buried. Mary and Martha concluded, Jesus, if you would have come sooner, we wouldn't be facing this. Now, I have to tell you, even as I study through this text, I admire their honesty. Man, they had guts to voice their concern to Jesus. Jesus is God in flesh, and they were honest. And I can tell you this, God invites you to be honest with him. God invites you to run to him so that you can struggle well with the one who created it all, with the one who made you, with the one who is going to redeem you with his blood. God invites you, come, come if you're struggling, come if you're disappointed, come if you're disillusioned and struggle with me. Ah, oh, their disappointment was about to become his appointment and this whole narrative is about to change. And I'm praising God even here today that even in the midst of disappointment, his appointment is going to trump whatever we're going through. Jesus asked a pivotal question. Verses 25 through 27, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. Do you really believe this? And Martha responded, yes, Lord, I believe. I have always believed that you're Messiah the Son of God, the one who was coming into the world from God. Yes, I believe. Let me give you a nugget. When disappointment with God comes from a heart of faith and a heart of trust and a heart of belief, it creates an opportunity for the Lord to transform us. When your disappointment comes out of a Faith disappointment, a believing God disappointment. God, you know I trust you. He's about to deepen your faith and grow you in ways you never thought possible. But I can honestly tell you, when our lives are defined by doubt and fear, we're not worshiping at the throne of God. We're worshiping at the altar of our very own emotions. And there's so many of us that get caught up into doubt and fear, and we begin to worship 
at the altar of our emotions, we become so subjective in our reasoning, and we lose the concept of objective truth, and we struggle. And he goes, I want you to come to the throne of grace. And even David would say, I lift up my eyes to the hills, to the only God there is. That's where my strength comes from. Verses 39 and 40, I love it. Jesus said, roll the stone aside. Martha protested, Lord, he's been dead four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus came four days after Lazarus had died. And people believed that the soul would stay in the vicinity of the body for about three days. And they believed that on the fourth day, the soul would depart. Four days meant it's over. There's no hope. It, it, it is done. And they were convinced that Jesus was too late. They believed that he could heal the sick. They believed that he could do even the miraculous while a person was living. But the thought of Jesus raising the dead was off their radar. And you have to stop and ask the question. When it comes to what God is able, capable of doing, what is off your radar screen? Jesus blew up their perspective here. Oh, that's off your radar. After four days, the soul has departed. Watch me work. Watch me work. And you have to ask that. And I've had to struggle through that at times. God, what is off my radar? What, what, what am I afraid to ask you for in regards to the miraculous, to, in regards to the impossible? And Jesus says this, didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you would believe? Didn't I tell you you would see the glory of God manifest and revealed only if you would believe? And that has been the theme of this entire study through the Gospel of John. Believe. She had a choice. And her choice was this. Am I going to tell Jesus how to be Jesus? Or am I going to trust him that he knows what he's doing? Am I going to press into him, lean into him to do the impossible? And we have the same choice today. We can choose to try to stay in control. Or we can choose to press into the Lord. But what I've seen over the years is faith in the face of adversity glorifies God. When the remnant, when the body of believers, when the church of the living God faces adversity and we choose to press in and lean in and to trust God, oh, it brings glory to God. Jesus said, trust me, believe me, you'll see the glory of God. And what I've learned over the years, even in the midst of heartache and pain and disappointment, and what is going on? Where is the world going? Is Jesus coming back? I can promise you this, God's glory will transcend and trump any grief, any sorrow, any disappointment, any doubt, anything I've got going on right now. The glory of God, when I press in and really experience the Savior, he goes, Tim, look at me. I'm good. I'm God. I'm in control. They believed, and they saw the glory of God. They saw what no one had ever seen. They saw a dead man get up out of the tomb and start to walk around. When Jesus said, loose him and let him be. Let him go. No one had ever seen this before. And I'm sitting there pondering it going, wow, could you imagine? Could you imagine Mary, Martha, 
others that were there at the tomb. Could you imagine the hugs and the laughter and the high fives and the joy that was taking place? And you have to stop and go, do I believe? And here's what I know. Our God is an on-time God. He's never late. He's never delayed. When it says Jesus stayed, Jesus stayed because Jesus was about to do the impossible. And sometimes we throw the towel in. Sometimes we abandon the race. And when the storms of life hit, I can promise you, God, he says, come to me. I want to be the one that you run to for help. He is the only one who has the ability to provide for your needs today. But so many times, instead of seeking God, we run in our own direction and we do what we think is best. I can promise you when Jesus arrived and Lazarus was dead, he was aware of the situation. When Jesus got word that Lazarus was sick, he was aware of the situation. And God is aware of what you're going through today. He knows your struggle. But the invitation is this. Will I trust God? Will I seek God? Will I really depend on God? The story of Lazarus, when we read it, to me it gives us just incredible hope because it promises us that God will walk through us through the difficulties of life. Even if it comes to walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he will never leave us. He will never abandon us. Jesus Christ, our Lord, is the resurrection and the life. He will conquer death, hell, and the grave. And he invites you today to trust him. And so I would tell you this. If you're a Christ follower, you're going to battle feelings of disappointment at times. If you're a Christ follower, I can promise you things will not always go your way. Many people think that following Jesus immunes them from suffering and pain and chaos. When we face adversity, our tendency is to complain. Our tendency is to gripe. Our tendency is to want to tell everybody else about our problems. Griping to other people will never solve your problems. Nobody wants to hang around a person who is drowning in self-pity. I had to learn to seek Jesus, listen to me, and not just desire comfort. I had to learn this, and I'm still learning it week after week and year after year. I've got to seek Jesus. I can't just desire comfort. And after so much pain and disappointment early on in my Christian journey, I finally realized the right question. And the right question was not, why, Lord? But the right question was, Lord, what now? Lord, what now? It's hard to ask what now when your dreams have been shattered. And as a new believer, I will never forget struggling through this big time. Why, Lord? Elbow surgery, 1985. Will I ever pitch? Will I ever be able to play again? That was my focus point in life, if you will. Baseball had really become my God for a long period of time. 1987, another elbow surgery. And again, the question was, why, Lord, why? 1988, third surgery, shoulder redone. And by the time I got to this third surgery, 
I remember getting to a place and saying, Lord, what now? I was reading through the book of Philippians morning and night. In Philippians 1.12, Paul, even as he writes, this, this verse just kind of captured my heart, penetrated my heart. And Paul says, I want you to know that your circumstances will turn out for the greater progress of the gospel. I finally got to the place of saying, Lord, what now? And that would be a great prayer for you to pray today. That is a great place for each and every one of us to get. Instead of saying, why, Lord? Why all the chaos? Why all the uncertainty? Why has this virus become almost like a plague? And it is, it's devastating so many lives. Instead of saying, why, Lord, is our money drying up? I would stop and just say, Lord, what now? And I would invite you to run to the Father. He knows the facts and He knows the future. He knows exactly what needs to be done. God is not distant and removed from what's happening on this planet right now. He's not panicking, I can promise you. All things are working together for our good and God's glory. Now, to me, this is such a crucial time for us to press in and say, change me, change my perspective, change my vision. I believe personally that we're about to see a lot of people who have drifted away from the Lord, a lot of people who have walked away from the faith in church, people that have never even given the faith, Jesus, the time of day, I believe that we're about to see a major revival take place in this nation and across the world. I personally believe that. I believe that people are going to realize that their solutions and their strategies and their agendas are not working. And I've got to have something bigger than me. And I do believe that God is going to use this where a lot of people are going to run to Him. Lord, what now? I can promise you it always begins with trust me trust me period and so my encouragement to you today is that you would press into the Lord like never before that you wouldn't tell God how to be God that you would not have all of these instructions for how Jesus is to be Jesus but you would stop and you would say I repent I confess I need you like never before. I'm casting all my cares on you because I know you care for me. Lord, I'm not trying to live tomorrow, next week, next year. I just want to live today in the fullness, Father, of who you are through the power of the Holy Spirit. God is desiring to increase all of our faith right now, but he says, trust me, press into me, lean into me, seek my face turn to me I will hear from heaven and I will bring healing on your land seek me so as a body of believers let me encourage you the cross Loganville we love you we care about you we want to do everything we can to minister to our people as well as those outsiders right now 
look for opportunities to walk in obedience right now, to walk in the light in such a way that you become the hands and feet of Jesus Christ because people will look and go, that person right there is pressing in, leaning in, and trusting God. There's something different about that life right there. Hey, what, what, what's the secret to your story? It's all about trusting God, a personal relationship with Christ. Father, thank you for what you're doing right now. Lord, thank you for such a timely word for us as a church, as a community, as a state, as a nation, even globally, Father. Lord, thank you that you can handle our disappointment. You can handle us being disillusioned. You can even handle us being defeated. But praise the name of Jesus that you're not defeated. You defeated death, hell, and the grave. And you give us the power right now to walk in victory. You tell us you're for us and you want to lead us. And so I pray for every one of my friends watching this right now in the name of Jesus that they would repent, they would surrender, they would press in and say, Jesus, please take over my life. Please be my Lord and my master. I need you. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, we hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we want to see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. And we pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.